Shall we please pray? Let's pray and ask the Lord to perform a miracle amongst us this morning. That he will multiply the words we'll be saying. We are saying that, Lord, the miracle that you multiply this to feed our souls. You multiply this sermon to make an impact in our hearts. God, you are the miracle-working God. Perform this miracle amongst us. Shall we please pray? Oh God, we pray for this miracle. Bring the increase, multiply these words. Perform the miracle and feed our souls. Perform the miracle, Lord. You are the miracle-working God. This is our confidence that, yes, you can use these words to transform us. So, Father, we pray in Jesus' name, perform this miracle. Our confidence is in you. Perform this miracle, Lord. Perform this miracle, Lord. In the name of Jesus, perform this miracle. Oh, miracle-working God. Miracle-working God. Our confidence is not in our preparation. It's in you. Oh, God. Oh, God. Lord, we thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know if this name sounds familiar to you. I have to look it up. I have to look at it to pronounce it. Juvenile Hyperimana. It's not familiar. But the situation around him, most of us know it. 7th April 1994 was his last time on this side of eternity. His plane was shot down. He was the president of Rwanda. So April 1994, his plane is shot down. And you remember what happened in Rwanda. In the space of about 100 days, close to 800,000 people were murdered. And most of them not with guns, with machets. Now, think about this. To kill somebody is not easy. I've not tried it, but I think it's not easy. <laughs> using a gun as opposed to using a machete. 100 days, the worst genocide we know in recent history. 100 days, 800,000 people were hacked to death in Rwanda. But do you know what is sobering about this? In 1994, Rwanda was considered to be the most Christian nation in Africa. 90% of the population had some connection to church. So Christianity was pervasive, but it could not stop 
the genocide. You can imagine somebody in church, a youth, taking up a machete and hacking old women and children to death. Why? Because they belonged to the wrong tribe. When things got critical, that they are Christians made no difference. Tusis or Hutu was what was, was preeminent to them. Christianity was pervasive, but disciples were lacking. I'm wondering if things are different here in Ghana. Is our Christianity making an impact? Now think about this for those of us mothers in church. If you hear that your daughter is dating a brother from church, does it give you some assurance as to the kind of relationship they will have? As opposed to dating somebody who is a non-Christian. Does the fact that this person, you know, oh, you know this guy, he grew up in church, he's, he's been committed, he's been doing things, does that give you any form of assurance about the kind of relationship they have? If you had a shop, a provision shop, and you employed somebody from this church, a young guy, to, to manage the shop, will you be able to trust the sales he brings to you every day? That when he says that today, this is how much we made, the fact that, oh, this guy, he's in church, he's active, I know him in church, will that give you confidence to the sales that he presents to you? If you employ the average person from church, the person will steal from you. It doesn't matter. They will steal from you. Is Christianity making any difference? If you wanted to enter into business and you realize that your business partner is an elder of a church, does that give you any assurance as to the integrity and openness of this person in this business relationship? The fact that this person is a pastor, does that make any difference as in, I can be sure that if I give the money to him, if I give the money to her, she is going to do what she says she will do. Does that give you any form of confidence, assurance, and peace that your business partner is also an elder of a church? In fact, some people, if they hear that you're a business partner and you're a pastor, Charlie, you run away. In the coming election, 
I know you are an NDC person. Great. But what if you're the MP who is standing in your area? The NDC person is a Muslim, but the MPP person is a Christian. Would that make a difference in how you vote? Will you consider their commitment? This person is a Christian. I know. He's not the party I like. But I'm, I have the confidence that the fact that this person says he's a Christian, he will do good for the constituency. Can you have that assurance? When we hear that most of our politicians, they go to church and they claim to be Christians, are we shocked? Does Christianity make any difference? So we see that there is a need. There is a need. For the next couple of weeks, we want to speak about discipleship. Discipleship as God's means of achieving his eternal purpose of conforming us to the image of Jesus. How God wants to not just bring us into faith, but also change us. Change us. Our character, our attitude, our priorities, the way we live. We'll be looking at Luke chapter 9. And today, in Luke 9, we are going to look about at the nature of the call to discipleship. Next week, God willing, we'll look at part 2. We'll look at the terms or the conditions of the call. The nature of the call, Luke chapter 9. We'll just focus on verse 23. Then he said to them all. The first thing we want to notice is that this call unto discipleship is a universal call. He said to them all. Another word that emphasizes this issue of it being universal, he says, he says whoever. Verse 23. Verse 24, but whoever. 26 also, whoever. Who, this is a universal call Jesus is making to everyone and anybody. No one can exempt himself or herself from responding to this. He said to them all, Jesus, I am a mother of two. I have no intention of being a leader in church. I say to you all. Jesus, I got born again just three months ago. Can I have a period of respite before I say to you 
โอโอ Jesus I have been a leader in church for a very long time I'm a pastor I've been preaching So perhaps I have graduated from this I say to you all Jesus I'm just a businessman I'll be coming to church but I'm just a businessman minding my own things doing my things here and there I say to you all none should exempt himself or herself from this call The fact that it's a universal call is also good news. Perhaps there were some people listening to Jesus who had done some terrible things. They think yes, it's for some special people. Jesus, I committed an abortion when I was 22. Who? ever Jesus I actually did not attend my mom's funeral I hated her till she died who ever there is nothing about you that can remove you from this call Jesus is very much aware of all that has happened. Of all the, the kind of things people are into. And he says, who ever? Jesus, I have a serious addiction. There are some things I can't even share with people. Who ever? There is nothing you have done. All that you are doing, that exempt, that disqualifies you from being a recipient, a respondent to this call. Jesus is very much aware and he says categorically, whoever. Jesus, I have blown it. Whoever. Whoever, whoever, there is nothing that you have done that disqualifies you from this call. Whoever. So it is a universal call. The second thing we notice about the nature of this call is that Jesus says, whoever wants to be my disciple, it requires a personal choice. Whoever wants, you have to make a choice. It is never forced on anyone. Whoever 
wants. You have to be intentional and deliberate. It requires intentionality and being deliberate. Whoever wants. Do you know that, sadly, the only thing we put on autopilot in our lives is our spiritual maturity? Yes, I come to church and I give my offertory and I go back. By all means, I'll grow. By all means, I'll change. By all means, my perspective will change. By all means, I'll begin to have a Christian worldview. By all means, my marriage will be transformed. How I handle, my, how I handle money, everything will be transformed. But you don't put your academics on autopilot and expect to pass. You don't put your relationship on autopilot. Discipleship is not like a Tesla vehicle. You know Tesla vehicles, now autopilot. It can take you to where you want to. Just sit in the car, you can't even sleep. You'll get there. When you get there, you can jump out of the vehicle and then it will find a parking spot for you. And when you are done, you come out and a button on your phone, it will come and find you where you are. And you sit in and you can sleep again and you get home safely. Discipleship is not Tesla. Jesus says, whoever wants. You know, this accounts for why a lot of us can be Christians for many years, but never experience transformation. Because this requires intentionality and being deliberate. It requires a choice on your part. Jesus desires, that is why he's making the offer. But he would never force anyone into it. If he was going to do that, that would be great. Then he would just change every one of us. No. He makes an appeal to all, but he says, you have to be deliberate and intentional about this. Spiritual maturity is supernatural, but it's not automatic. Whoever wants And Jesus says this. Whoever wants to be my disciple must. Whoever wants must. What we see about the terms next week, I say that the terms do not change. There's no concession or allowance for any special group of people. Jesus has no intention of making any allowance for you, brothers and sisters. Jesus has no intention of altering his terms and condition just for your sake. The condition is the same. It will never change. Whoever wants must, not may, not might not please consider. For pastors, for moms, businessmen, students, young, old, whoever must. 
Jesus is not going to change his condition for you. So you also should accept this and understand this. Don't be hoping that as for me, given my peculiar situation, perhaps what Jesus has to say about discipleship does not apply to me. Jesus, you yourself, you understand. My situation is serious. No. Jesus says, whoever wants must. And the last thing we'll say in verse still 23, denying themselves, take up their cross and focus on the word daily. Daily. There are no leave days. I know that at your workplace, you are fighting hard for your leave. They say 12 days. But I say, how? How can I work for the whole year and you just say 12 days? I need more. 25 working days. You are right. At the place of work, you need to go and leave. But Jesus says, when it comes to the issue of discipleship, please know this. I have no intention on giving you any leave. There are no days where what I have to say does not apply to you. This means that we cannot compartmentalize our lives. That concerning discipleship, yes, Sunday, you can see even how I'm dressing. I'll dress decently, yes, on Sunday. But when I go home and I change my clothing, from Monday, I'm a different person. Jesus says, daily. It's a choice we have to make daily. It's not a choice that you make today and you think that is enough for the rest of your life. Jesus says, it is daily. I was listening to this um, video on exercising. Some of us, the way we exercise, we think about, okay, I'll exercise three days a week. And he says that that is, according to this man, that's the worst thing you can do because this is what happens. If you say you are going to exercise for even four days a week, should I exercise Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, or Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday? Can I skip today and tomorrow and do it next week? Today you wake up, okay, today I want to exercise. I still have six more days, so I can have the four days within. You wake up the next day, no, I still have five more days, I want to exercise. And he says, no, it should be something daily. It's just an issue of the time. You have to do something daily. If you just open it up, the fact that you have to decide whether you have to exercise today or not is a defeater. Some of us, we have been postponing exercises for like 10 years now. <laughs> because, oh, I know, I know it's something I have to, but it's not something I have to do daily. So maybe not today, not tomorrow. Tomorrow, I have to wake up early. Not, not tomorrow. And it's been 10 years. 
because it's not daily. Jesus says, what I have to say is more important than exercise. And it is daily. That every day as you wake up, you have to wake up with this consciousness that there is a call of discipleship Jesus is offering me. It's a choice that every day as we wake up, we have to make. That Lord Jesus, today, I respond to your call unto discipleship. Not yesterday, I gave my life to Christ. Ten days ago, I gave my life to Christ. Yes, you have given your life to Christ. Great. But that's not then. It is now. Daily. So today, what we have seen about the nature of the call, one, it is universal. There's nothing you have done that disqualifies you from the call. We are saying that it requires a personal choice, whoever wants. The terms will never change. Whoever wants must and requires a daily response. There are no off days to it. God, God will, in next week, will look at the invitation proper. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Shall we pray? Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. Have mercy upon us and give us grace to respond. You are calling us on to discipleship. We don't just want to remain as people who are coming to church but not being changed. You call us to yourself and you want us to become like you. We pray, dear Lord, that you help us all, Lord, to respond to this call daily. In Jesus' name, we have prayed with thanksgiving. Amen.